and everybody, and welcome back to the Chaplaincy on the Go podcast. My name is Josh Zorhoff. I'm your host, and this podcast is brought to you by the Fearless Family of Churches. We're continuing on with our conversation with my friend, Deb Brink, on grief and loss. And in this conversation, Deb has helped us so much to think through what is grief, what is loss? I love what Deb said in our last episode. Grief is universal and it's also unique. That everybody experiences grief and everybody experiences loss, but we don't all go through it the same way. And we're picking up on a conversation where Deb helps us to start thinking about how do we care for people after a loss has occurred or really after the grieving process has started, and maybe you know someone, or maybe you are going through a period where you've lost someone or something significant, and you're asking the question, well, how do I, how do I care for me? How do I make sure I'm okay? Or if you know someone who is going through a loss, maybe asking the question, how do I care for the people that I love? Because I'm not really sure. Well, Deb's going to help us a lot with that. And she has some insightful things to share and some really important things for us to consider. So without further ado, we're going to jump right in. Can we talk a little bit about aftercare in grief and loss? Um, so when, when someone leaves us or we go through a tragedy or there's a death or like there's something sudden that occurs. There's this, for me, there's this two week period where everybody is hyper alert of the person who is hurting. Like everybody's there, you know, people have to buy freezers so that they can stock that freezer with more freezer meals. And it's like, we, we are really, at least in West Michigan, we're really, really good at like two weeks of solid. We got your back. We're here with you. Mm-hmm. But then after two weeks, the world keeps moving forward yes. and life stops. It's like one of those weird movie scenes where you're frozen in time, but the world is like fast forward all mm-hmm. around you. Mm-hmm. And how do we care for ourselves? How do we care for other people after the two weeks? Because the grief process never goes away. Never. So so for those of us who want to care, want to love, want to care for ourselves, what do we need to think about for aftercare? Yeah, again, I don't think we have to complicate it. I think if you can think about, for instance, if you have a really pretty close friend or family member who's had a really difficult loss, could you even just think about, I'm going to send that person a text mm. once a week. I'm going to send that person a text every other week and I'm just going to tell them I'm thinking of them and I'm praying for them, Mm. you know, anything like that. We don't have to make it so super complicated. You know, we could say to them, you know, because we're all so different, what could be comforting for one, you know, might be just a quiet walk or someone might want coffee or somebody might want to go watch a game, you know, and that could be really significant. So just trying to reach out in that way, right? I think we hesitate because again, we make it too complicated, but if we could just walk alongside, it it can 
it can be hugely significant. The one thing I I, I would say, please don't do is just don't forget about that person. Mm. Mm. Even if they say, oh, I'm fine, doing fine, you know, send them a little something. How long does it take, Josh, to send a text? You know, literally five to seven seconds, maybe. <laughs> right. Let's let's have an experiment right now, because people if you're driving, you don't have to do this. Please don't do right. this if you're driving. But if you're not driving, um, here's an experiment we're going to do. Can you think of one person in your life, right? Just one person in your life right now who has suffered a loss. And it doesn't matter what the loss is. It could be, it could be a fourth grader who lost a hamster. And believe it or not, for children, that might be their first brush with death. And if you're listening here, something really important to know when children move into the fifth grade years, their deepest fear, 99% of children, their deepest fear when they are 10 years old is that their parents will die. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't know why that is. Um, there's probably a lot of scientific reasons and formation and all that. But so if they lost a hamster, just so you know, that's a big deal. So any loss, yeah. get your phone out right now and send them a text message and say, hey, I'm thinking of you and I'm praying for you and I want you to know that you're not alone. Yeah. Just do it. Some of you won't play because you're too cool. That's fine. But try it. And you know what? It'll tell you something. If they respond back and they say, hey, is everything okay? It will tell you, and you can do this without shame, that you probably haven't checked in enough with them. And you could check in more. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we're not used to it. We're actually used to just saying, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm, I'm reminded there's a counselor who says, anytime I hear I'm fine, fine stands for feelings in need of expression. <laughs> um, we are many things, but we are rarely fine. When someone says I'm fine, it's fine. Everything's fine. Anything that has to do with fine, uh, they're not fine. It's not fine. And it's never going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's a good indication to check in again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So that I would say for sure has got to be part of our aftercare that we can be people that come alongside and be people that don't complicate it. We just we just come alongside and we care and we show love and especially pay attention if someone's saying they're fine, you know, maybe explore that a little bit, right? Yeah. Because grief is really best again if we want to handle or manage our grief in a healthy way, it's best done together. It really is. So yeah. way forward and on a path of self-compassion, on a path of gentleness. You know, I think we haven't talked directly about faith, but, you know, Jesus was someone well acquainted with grief, right? So a man of sorrows, a man of sorrows, he understood suffering. And so if we can tap into that, where Jesus is available to us and walking with us in our suffering, that also is a real um, important piece of of our healing too. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this is a. Um, I am a follower of Jesus. This is a podcast that is sponsored by a church, and you are a follower of Jesus. So we'll just take a moment and touch on. We'll touch on Jesus for a second here. Um, there's this remarkable story about Jesus when he finds out that his best friend has died. 
And it is a short, one of the shortest verses in the Bible, um, mm. but it is incredibly powerful. And it just says that when Jesus found out that his friend Lazarus was dead, it says Jesus wept. And he, this wasn't, he sat in a corner and had a quiet tear. Right. Um, in that culture and in that day and age, the weeping was so loud that it actually got the attention of all of the people around the area to the point where they actually say, see how much he loved him. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for us to realize that when we grieve, Jesus knows exactly how we feel. He does to the fullest extent possible. And he can be a source of love and support for us. Even when no one else understands, even when no one else sees us, even when we feel like we are grieving alone, we are seen and known by the very creator of the universe who deeply understands how we feel. Yeah, that's right. And it's so, one of my favorite verses is Lamentations 3.22. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for Mm. his compassions. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. But because of his great love, we don't need to be consumed by grief. Mm. It's a deep concept, but it's also one that can lead us through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The picture I get is that in my grief, when I'm, when I feel like the pain is too hard and when it's too much for me to take. The picture I get is that Jesus sits in that with me mm-hmm. and yeah. holds on to me. Yeah. And he's my anchor, so I'm not swept away. Correct. And he also has 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 created you. He has created us with resiliency and with hope. He has created us in that way. So he, he comes alongside and helps us to find that, to find the resiliency and to find the hope. So we can get to the other side and he he comes alongside us in that. You know, when I lost, I was 22 and my, my dad was, um, it was February. I think it was February 20 and he had had a mass removed from his colon. And they said he had six months to two years to live. And I was 22 years old. And I remember looking out the window in that hospital room and seeing someone get in and out of their car. I was like, wait a minute, you can't just go on living life. My life is completely turned upside down, right? And he did live for two years, but it was, and I was thankful for those two years because we could have meaningful conversation and and we were able to address some things and it was super helpful. But when I, you know, he also suffered. So anyone that walks alongside a loved one suffering, that's, that's a difficult journey too, right? Yep. And then when I turned 24, he passed away. So big portion of my life, I've been without my dad, right? Mm. And yet within that, there's so many, so many ways I have 
found that the grief has taught me so much about resiliency and hope. In so many ways, I've tried to honor him in my life because, you know, we think sometimes if we're stuck in our isolation or resentment or anger, you know, that there's that that's where we have to be. But if any one of us really thinks about our loved one that we've lost, they would almost 100% of the time say, we, I want you to flourish. I want you to thrive. I want you to go on with your life, right? Yeah. And yeah. so that's such an important piece too. That is so important. And I, you know, I mean, my dad has Parkinson's, mm-hmm. um, you know, and he's in his final stage, whatever that means. And he'll be gone sooner than I want. And I'm starting to process through the reality that um, I'm I'm just I'm not ready to live in a world that doesn't have my dad in it. And I'm I'm also mindful of this. It's just really beautiful passage in um, Psalm 27 that says, "Though my mother and father leave me, still the Lord will receive me." Mm-hmm. And this promise that God made my parents and he will be there long after they are gone. And quite frankly, he'll be there long after I'm gone. Mm-hmm. But I belong to him. Yeah. And he's got me. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not even saying that that thought makes my grief or my pain or my sadness go away. But it's not consuming me. No. I'm not swept up by it. Mm-mm. And that helps me move forward because I don't know what I'd do otherwise. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for those who are listening, I know that grief is unique and so there's no playbook for it. But are there some practices? Um, some skills, some techniques to employ that help us to grieve well, universally. But some of them we've already talked about. The importance of not going it alone is really important, right? Also, I would say one of the things grief does is it takes us to our knees often, or it can lay us flat, right? So we are having to then, again, like I said before, rebuild or figure out our lives now as it is, right? And I've I've often encouraged my clients to, to say, okay, what is important and what is not important, right? And is this helping me or hurting me? Mm. So even in your decision-making as you go forward in grief, really being able to discern you know, is this okay or not okay? And it's all right to say no to the things that are not beneficial to you or life-giving to you. Um, You have to go forward in a way that uh, is honoring to you, honoring to your grief, right? I think grief is a very, if you look at the research too, it's a physical, emotional, spiritual, it impacts all of us. It impacts our bodies. So, you know, self-care of 
proper nutrition and sleeping and all of that is not what you feel like doing, but rest is so important. So taking care of your body is very important. Um, finding those, you know, anything you can do that brings you a lot of times it will increase our anxiety. Mm. So practicing those tools that will help us with our anxiety is also very important. Yeah. So, and we've talked about managing stress on some other episodes. So you guys, you can listen to that, but I I will say, um, you know, diet is a huge Mm -hmm. factor in grief. So um, it, 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 it's tempting to go to a drink. Mm -hmm. It's tempting. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with having a drink at the same time. I love that question of, is this helping me Or is this hurting me? Because if you're drinking to escape, that's hurting you. That's not helping you. That's avoiding grief. And it's only a matter of time before grief says, I won't be ignored anymore. Um, But also on the other side, things like caffeine intake. Um, Caffeine has proven, at least in women, to amp up um, cortisol and adrenaline levels to toxic amounts. Just one mm-hmm. cup of coffee can do that for a woman. And mm-hmm. we don't often think about that, but right. but if you're already, your brain is already in high stress, you're already grieving, those, those neurological realities are inescapable for you. And then you throw caffeine on top of it to either stay awake or whatever. It's like, it's not throwing gasoline on a fire. It's throwing napalm on a fire because mm-hmm. it's going to take so much longer for that to dissipate. So just simple things like, Make sure you drink enough water. Correct. Yep. Make sure you get good calories. Stay away from alcohol or substances that either bring you up or bring you down. Be careful of medications. Correct. Yep. Even if you're on mood stabilizers, uh, make sure if you go through grief and loss, talk to your doctor because you may not have the right dosage for the amount of stress that you're in. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you have to be paying attention to all those things, but not in a way that it overwhelms you. Slow it down and say, okay, so for today, what are some of the boundaries I need to set so I can practice my good self-care, right? Mm. And what do I need? Sometimes people do need a higher dosage of their antidepressant, sometimes not. It's just depending on the situation, grief and depression are two different things. So we have to look at what's going on, talk to your doctor, you know, find a counselor to maybe meet with for a few months, you know, just do the things you need to do to help. Yes. You know what, Deb, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to pull something up here a second because I, um, I'm sure you, you know, Chuck DeGroat, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I was at a conference just a few weeks ago with Chuck DeGroat and he, he recommended something called a personal dashboard. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I thought that was really cool. And I'd heard that before, but as he was talking, a friend of mine, Steve, who was with me said, you could make a graphic out of that and that could be really helpful. So I'm actually going to share that personal, personal dashboard here. Um, I like for those who are like in the video, um, yeah. but, but I'll also add this to a link to this in the podcast notes. So you guys can, can look at this, but the personal dashboard, if you think about the dashboard of a car, when you're driving and we've, we've all been there, unless you're like 13 years old and you're not driving yet, we've all been to a place where a light goes off. And when the light goes off in your car, you want to pay attention. You 
must pay attention. And, um, and the personal dashboard just says, okay, what lights are going off right now in my life? Mm -hmm. And the lights you want to pay attention to are thoughts, feelings, body, relational energy, and behaviors. Perfect. Yeah. So, so what are you thinking when, when you're in grief, what thoughts are going through your head? Are you thinking about, am I going to lose somebody else? Are you thinking about how am I going to take care of myself? Are you thinking about the future? You don't have to be afraid of them. Just note what thoughts are there and write them down. In fact, I got a category right here Mm -hmm. um, with, you know, you can print this out if you want, or you can make your own checkbox, but just take note of what is going on. Same thing, feelings. Am I angry? Am I scared? Am I hurt? Am I, am I numb? Numb is a feeling. Yes. Um, Yeah. You know, how's my body? Am I sore? Most people don't realize, but when you are hurting emotionally, Basil Vanderkalk says this, your body keeps the score. And, um, and so joint pain, uh, muscle fatigue, low, um, low energy. Those are all telltale signs of grief, Definitely. Um, relational energy. This is a big one. Mm-hmm. Do you not want to be around people? Like you just, you don't have the energy to deal with your next door neighbor. You don't have the energy to deal with the people closest to you. If all things being equal, you would just like prefer to be left alone for long periods of time. Pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. And then watch out for your behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, are you are you consuming alcohol? Are you binge watching Netflix? Are you numbing out? And just again, just honesty through sexually destructive materials, whether that's pornography or like compensating for your grief by distracting yourself with lots of sex. There's all like shopping, um, mm-hmm. buying, buying boats. I know guys that lost loved ones and went out a week later and bought a boat. And it's like, probably not the best decision. I mean, maybe you were going to buy the boat anyway, but chances are you're avoiding something that you should pay attention to. And so I just found, you know, again, Chuck's work there and just this personal dashboard has just been really, you know, really helpful. For me. Yeah, I love that. Love it. Yeah, because it's a way of checking in, right? And so mm. often, again, when we're in grief, we're not really checking in with ourselves. We're just feeling overwhelmed mm. with the thoughts, you know, with the emotions, with how terrible we feel, even in our body, right? So to slow it down enough and pay attention to those things is super important. I love we that. Might, we might even say that's that's four C's. Check in, mm-hmm. choose. Yep. Communicate. Communicate. Mm. Connect. Connect. I love that. See, four C's. We just, we created something brand new. See? Beautiful. Yep. Beautiful. Deb, you're like Gandalf and Yoda combined. <laughs> so it's like, so great. I um, love it. So much. Yeah. Well, this has just been awesome. Um, you know, I, I'm just so grateful for, for, the work that you do. I'm grateful for your willingness to share your vulnerability here. Um, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm so thankful that you could spend some time with us. Um, any, any other thoughts as we kind of close up? I I do have a, um, I have one quote. I just want to read a second about grief. And I just think it Mm -hmm. gives us a little bit of something to think about. Says with the good shepherd in grief as our companions, we can invite sorrow to mature us, to make us wiser and more tender in all the very best ways. 
if we're willing, our suffering will transform us into softer, gentle, gentler, more compassionate people, people who are more accepting of weakness, more willing to sit with contradiction and mystery. This difficult path can help us develop courage and bravery, not as we prove our own strength, but as we throw ourselves fully on God's. Hmm. That's by Scott Sauls. All right. So I'm, I'm imagining that there are, there's at least one person listening right now that is suffering a loss and going through grief. And I feel like that statement, that quote deserves one more round of communication. So if you are in a season of loss and grief right now, if you're not driving, um, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes, take a deep breath. And Deb, would you read that just one more time to us? With the Good Shepherd and grief as our companions, we can invite sorrow to mature us, to make us wiser and more tender in all the very best ways. If we are willing, our suffering will transform us into softer, gentler, and more compassionate people. People who are more accepting of weakness, more willing to sit with contradiction and mystery. This difficult path can help us develop courage and bravery, not as we prove our own strength, but as we throw ourselves fully on God's. Well, that final thought from Deb was certainly a powerful thought for me as I think through my own seasons of loss and grief and to see grief as a companion and that Jesus can be the good shepherd who leads me through that season of loss. And if I can do that well, then my grief can be something that transforms me and makes me better. If this has been a helpful conversation with you, we'd love for you to share this with a friend, share this with someone in your life. If you'd like to like and subscribe and follow the podcast for more helpful episodes like this, we'd appreciate that a lot. If you work for a company and you'd like more information on how the Fearless Chaplaincy could partner with your organization to maybe share thoughts on loss and grief or anxiety and depression, we'd love to get in contact with you. You can learn more about us at Chaplaincy at fearlessfollower.org, or you can go to our website, fearlesschaplaincy.org. We'd love to continue this conversation with you. Join us in the next few episodes as we continue to walk through grief and loss by interviewing some people who I know, some friends of mine, who have suffered some pretty significant losses in their life. And they've weathered through the trenches of grief. And they've got some helpful thoughts to share with us from their own experiences. I think it's going to be a powerful conversation as we continue on. That's all we've got for you now. We'll talk to you next time.